The text for this morning's sermon is Matthew 27, verse 51a. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, most of us use computers, laptops, tablets, or mobile phones every day. We don't often think about what's required to make them. They all have tiny semiconductor chips in them. The factories where these chips are manufactured are called clean rooms. Workers are required to wear a bunny suit with face mask and goggles to protect the chips from being contaminated with hair, dust, dirt, or skin particles. Clean rooms have special ventilation systems that circulate the air to remove any tiny particles that escape the workers' suits. The reason for such strict control of the environment is that a tiny dust particle can cause a computer chip to fail. The clean room of a computer chip factory is a special place. The air is filtered, clean, and pure. It's one of the most sterile places on earth. Unauthorized people are not allowed to enter a clean room. Workers need to go through elaborate protocols to enter the clean room to ensure that they don't contaminate it. They're not allowed to wear any cosmetics. They need to take a drink of water to wash away any throat particles. Even scratching your face is prohibited. In order for a clean room to function in the way for which it was made, it must be clear of contamination. For even the smallest stray particles can cause a computer chip to fail. So clean rooms are some of the most well-protected places on earth. They are specifically designed to keep contamination out. The Holy of Holies was a similar type of place. The inner room of the temple was the most sacred place on earth. For it was there that God dwelt in the midst of his people because God is holy, sin was not allowed anywhere near him. The Holy of Holies was off limits to everyone except the high priest. And even he could only enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. A large tapestried veil separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And yet when the Lord Jesus died, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. The curtain had warned, keep out. But the tearing of the curtain sent another message. Through it, God sent the message, come in. Since the blood of Christ has cleansed us from all contamination, we're now free to enter into the presence of God. In fact, we may do so with confidence. 
So we see how the death of our Savior Jesus Christ has wondrous consequences for us. Christ is the door through which we may enter into communion with God. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. By tearing the curtain in the temple, God indicates that Christ has opened the way for us to come into his presence. We'll see why the curtain temple was in place, how uh, the temple curtain was torn, and that we now have free access to God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God. There were no barriers that restricted their access to God. There was nothing negative in their relationship with their creator. God walked with man. They conversed face to face. But then man chose to walk apart from God. Adam and Eve didn't listen to the one who had given them life and trust in him for the wisdom and knowledge they needed. Instead, they rebelled against his rule by choosing to listen to the voice of the serpent. The fellowship man had with God was destroyed. Thus began the curtain of separation between God and man. The curtain being a symbol of sin that separates mankind from the presence of God. Because mankind was sinful, because he was corrupt, he could no longer dwell in the presence of God. For as we sang, the Lord our God is holy, holy, holy. Unholy man could not come near our holy God. As Isaiah says in chapter 59, verse 2, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. 2 Corinthians 6.14 teaches that righteousness can have nothing to do with wickedness. Light cannot have communion with darkness. In paradise, this was symbolized by how God banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.24 says that after God drove out the man... At the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. It's important for us to pay some attention to these cherubim. Cherubim are high-ranking angels. They're part of the angelic host dedicated to the service of God. In Scripture, God is often said to dwell among the cherubim. They surround his heavenly throne. In paradise, the cherubim formed a curtain of separation that guarded the way into God's presence, into the tree of life. When God delivered his people from Egypt, he was willing to live in the midst of them. Yet sinful man could not come into the holy presence of God. That's why the Lord dwelt in the tabernacle. The tabernacle had three divisions. There was the outer court where the people brought their sacrifices and where they worshipped God. There was the holy place where only the priests were allowed access to minister to the Lord. And finally, there was the most holy place, also called the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelt. 
because God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies, a curtain of separation was hung between this area and the outer two divisions of the temple. Its purpose was to serve as a partition between the holy place and the Holy of Holies. In Exodus 26, verse 31, the Lord commanded Moses, You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, skillfully worked into it. Here we again see the cherubim, God's angelic host, guarding the way to the presence of God. Eventually, the tabernacle was replaced with a temple. It too had an outer court, a holy place, and the Holy of Holies. Here again, the curtain of separation was hung up to shield the presence of God from mankind. 1 Kings 6 tells us that Solomon constructed two cherubim that stood as guardians on either side of the ark in the Holy of Holies. He carved the figures of cherubim into the walls of the inner and outer sanctuaries. 2 Chronicles 3 verse 14 tells us Solomon made the curtain of blue, purple, and crimson fabrics and fine linen with cherubim worked into it. This curtain was a thick 60 feet high and 30 feet wide curtain. Its purpose was to prevent men and women from coming into God's presence. The curtain showed that while it was hanging, the way to God was barred because of sin. It shut out. It kept out everyone from further approach. The curtain hung there as if to say, thus far and no further. No unauthorized entry allowed. Just like people are not allowed into a computer chip clean room because of fear of contamination, so God's people were not allowed into the presence of the Lord Most High. While God and His grace dwelt among His people, He still maintained a separation from them. The reason is that God, in His righteousness and holiness, cannot be stained with our sinfulness. It's our sins that form a barrier between God and us. Beloved, the barrier symbolized in the Old Covenant by the curtain could still exist today. Our sins can and do get in the way of communion between us and the Lord. Just think of the results of David committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah. David writes about the effects that his sins had on his relationship with God in Psalm 32. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. It's not until David confessed his sins before the Lord that he found relief from his suffering. In the Old Covenant, God's people were required to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices before they were allowed to come into God's presence. It showed that payment of sins was required before they could enjoy fellowship with the Lord. The same applies in the New Covenant. In 1 John 1 verse 6, the apostle writes, If we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
John urges us to confess our sins, stating that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thus, the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies served as a warning that access to God was heavily restricted. Our sins are a barrier between our holy God and us. We need to repent of our sins, to confess them, to seek forgiveness for them in order to be able to come to God and to enjoy fellowship with Him. Brings us to our second point, and it will see how the curtain in the temple was torn. Let's journey now to the afternoon of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd been hanging on the cross since about 9 a.m., About noon, a terrible, thick darkness hung over the land that lasted for about three hours. As this time came to an end, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was the cry of the Lamb of God who has endured the burden of God's wrath against our sins. Jesus was voluntarily laying down his life for the redemption of the human race. It is beyond our ability to understand the depths of his spiritual suffering during those three hours. Christ was God-forsaken. His fellowship with the Father, which had always been so close, was temporarily broken Christ suffered hellish agony for us that we might not come under God's curse. Shortly after this, Christ called out, It is finished. In that moment, his work of redemption was completed. It was a shout of triumph, of victory. Nothing was undone. With a loud voice of a conqueror, Jesus shouted, Done, finished, completed. And then Jesus committed his spirit into the hands of his Father and died. It's at that moment that another very significant event occurred in the temple. Matthew tells us, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Please note the timing carefully, beloved. According to Mark 15.34, Jesus died at the ninth hour, that is, at 3 p.m. The moment Jesus died, the the curtain in the temple was torn. How do we know that this took place? Well, we have the testimony of eyewitnesses. The evening sacrifices were normally presented at around 3 p.m. This was the day leading to the Passover. The Passover would begin with the setting of the sun. The priests were busy preparing the daily evening sacrifices. Those working in the holy places, in the holy place would have seen the actual tearing of the curtain. Now Acts 6 verse 7 tells us that when the word of God spread in Jerusalem, 
a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. They passed on their eyewitness accounts to the gospel writers. So how was the temple curtain torn in two? Some suggest that this was the result of the earthquake mentioned in Matthew 27:51. But Matthew mentions the earthquake after the tearing of the temple curtain. Our text itself suggests the answer. It says the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. It was not randomly torn here and there. This was a curtain made of thick, tough fabric. It was clearly split by an invisible hand from top to bottom. God himself tore the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from the holy place. Among the Jews, it was customary for a father to tear his outer garment when his son died. Here we see how our Heavenly Father reached down and tore the temple curtain in two at the death of his son. It's no coincidence that the curtain was torn at at the precise moment when Christ died. Keep in mind that the purpose of the curtain was to keep sinful man from approaching God's presence. Remember that Christ died in our place as our substitute to pay for our sins. The tearing of the curtain shows that God is satisfied with the sacrifice of his son. God reached down and tore the temple curtain to show that we now have free and full entrance into his presence by the death of his son. The writer of Hebrews makes this clear in chapter 9. He speaks about the division of the tabernacle into different parts and says that behind the curtain was the most holy place. He explains that while the priests regularly went into the first section to perform their ritual duties, only the high priest went into the second section. And he but once a year, and not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people. The writer of Hebrews explains how Christ has opened the way into the most holy place. He says that Christ came as high priest of the new covenant. He says he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. And so the writer of Hebrews explains that Christ opened the way for us into the presence of God. Christ did not go into the earthly temple in Jerusalem, but into a heavenly temple not made with hands. By his blood, we now have access to the Father in heaven above. And so we see, beloved, that the rich gospel message, the rich gospel message presented to us in the tearing of the curtain of the temple, the curtain that warned, keep out, But the tearing of the curtain sent another message. Through it, God sent the message, come in. Through this symbolism, God indicates that Christ has opened the way for us to come into his presence. Since the blood of Christ 
has cleansed us from all our sins. We're now free to enter the presence of God. And so we see that the death of Christ has wondrous consequences for us. Jesus Christ is the door through which we may enter into communion with God. Brings us to our final point, that we now have free access to God. The tearing of the curtain in the temple has startling consequences for us today. Our great high priest has opened a way into God's presence that remains open forever. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door, and there is no other door into God's presence. The door stands stands wide open for those who come in through faith in the blood of Christ. There is no other way except by the way of his blood. All roads do not lead to heaven. All roads lead to hell except the narrow way of the cross of Christ. In Ephesians 2, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have now been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The curtain has been removed. There are no barriers. There's no entry fees or cover charges. Ephesians 2.18 tells us how Jesus takes us by the hand, how he introduces us to the Father. Through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Christ takes us and leads us into the presence of his Father. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. His point is we may draw near to God with confidence because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. These verses from Hebrews 10 mention our conscience. At times the Bible speaks about our conscience accusing us because of our sins. But the writer of Hebrews assures us that in Christ, our conscience is sprinkled clean. When the high priest went into the most holy place, he sprinkled blood around the mercy seat, the place where God dwelt among his people. By this, he made atonement for the people's sins. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Christ's blood is sufficient to cleanse an accusing conscience. Christ's blood has paid for all our sins. We are washed clean. In Christ, God considers us pure and holy. And thus we may draw near to him 
in full assurance of faith. Because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, we can now boldly approach God in worship. As congregation, we can come into His presence. It's symbolized in the opening words of every service. After confessing that our hope is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, we receive this greeting from God. Grace and peace, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about those words. Grace and peace. Grace describes the wondrous gift of salvation that Christ has earned for us with his death on the cross. Peace describes our restored relationship with the Lord, the fellowship that we may enjoy with him in Christ. Because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, we can now also boldly approach God in prayer. In Hebrews 4, we're encouraged to draw near to God in prayer For we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who is tempted just as we are. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Through Christ, God our Father will certainly hear and answer our prayers. Yes, beloved, The way to God has been opened for us by the blood of Christ. Life with God is possible because of his once-for-all sacrifice offered on the cross. The separation between God and us caused by our sins has been taken away. By faith, we may now once again be united with him. The Holy Spirit is the life-giver who allows us to share in Christ and all his benefits. One of those main benefits is that we are now free to live in communion with God. God created us to live in perfect harmony with him, to know him and be known by him, to love him and be loved by him, to walk with him and talk with him, just like Adam and Eve did in paradise. Through the blood and spirit of Christ, we today may already walk and talk with God, even though we still live in a sinful world. For Christ's death has broken down the wall of separation between us. And beloved, we may look forward to even more glorious future, to a time when sin and all its effects are removed, to a time when we may dwell with God in perfect harmony, on a new heaven, a new earth. Just imagine having free access to walk and talk with God. What a privilege it's going to be to see Him face to face. How wonderful it'll be to have our natural corruption washed away to know God and be known by Him without the stain of sin. These are the blessings God has promised to those who believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
blessings so great we cannot even imagine them. Therefore, let us praise our Savior Jesus Christ for his awesome work of redemption. Amen.